Um, let's try this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try some. Clear the throat. You ready? You ready? <clears throat> oh, welcome to. Nah, that's not good enough. Thank you. Welcome to the state says first. Uh, no, Chris, you're still on your phone, dude. How can I introduce? Like, I'm staring at you, not paying attention. How can I introduction introduce you? Chris, introduce me. Introduct us. Podcast guys, Colin here. Uh, join after a, another victory, getting spoiled here in the Premier League. Uh, North London Derby victory. On top of that, uh, Chris Austin joining me this evening. Man, man, oh man, what is this? Three weeks in a row, top of the table. Austin, how are you feeling? I'm still feeling on cloud nine from Sunday, man. I thought I thought it'd come down. I've had two hard days at work, but no. I've just been reliving. I've been rewatching goals, rewatching highlights, rewatching bits of the game, rewatching, rewatching AFTV, rewatching AFTV, rewatching Hoybeer fuck with the uh, with the magic spray on the uh, on the referee's belt on the 93rd minute. Everything, everything. I, I think I'll be watching it all week, even through the Antwerp game. I just I, I'm I'm loving life right now as a Spurs fan. Yeah, Chris, 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 how are you feeling, man? I mean, how long? I mean, you've been a Spurs fan for 25 years. Way too long. Uh, like, and I should have had a heart attack by now. Like, yeah, in the past three weeks, you've seen Spurs sit at the top of the table longer than you have in the past two and a half decades. Yeah. Well, you deserve this more than either one of us. How are you feeling? This is the weirdest thing. Like, I don't want to jinx it, but I, if it's something about beating it's the beating arsenal is the best part like to finish that run with beating arsenal and comfortably beating arsenal was absolutely i've been doing nothing all week but watching just like austin and watching a lot of highlights and then just going back and watching the uh, arsenal reactions to that game not just the aftv one but a couple of other like little like arsenal channels that have popped up and i'm like i just want to see what they did when uh sunny scored that goal <laughs> just it just makes it feel a little bit sweeter right when you can when you can watch the salt coming off the uh the arsenal fans and the, and the reaction um and it's kind of been all over the place you know the past few days um well, i've got like one or two arsenal friends that are like normally right after the before or after the derby they'll always like message me on facebook or something and i didn't hear from them before and then i didn't hear from them afterwards this time it was just kind of quiet it was weird but well, I guess full disclosure, Colin and I watched the match um, on Discord with, uh, for anyone who listened to the previous episode, Pat the Gooner was on the Discord with us, and uh, he talked more about RimWorld, the video game, the entire time <laughs> than he did about the match, because I think he was trying to uh, yeah, absolve I mean, himself I, of caring. I, I had my Discord muted uh, 98% of the time because I, I, I'm i one of those people when I watch the game, I just I, I don't want anything distracting me. I want to watch the game. And uh, yeah, clearly Gooners were not interested in, in the uh, the game after being down. And at least for the second half, he was not paying attention to the game. But so 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 Pat is not is not. I'm about to say something about Arsenal fans that Pat does not uh, comport with, but. You said on that episode, uh, Colin, that Chelsea fans have surpassed you. Because of Chelsea fans, your hatred for Chelsea has surpassed your hatred for Arsenal. And every now and then, every now and then I agree with you. I start falling into that trap of, yeah, I hate Chelsea more than Arsenal. But then every time we beat Arsenal, it's not when we lose to Arsenal. It's not even draw Arsenal or lose Arsenal. It's when we beat Arsenal, I'm reminded why I hate them so much. Because the backlash Spurs has got on uh, – Spurs supporters and Spurs as a club have got on the internet – 
the past two days because of the brigading of Arsenal fans whining, <laughs> bitching, and moaning. Kane is a dirty player. Son is so cringy. This and that because they don't know how to fucking lose. They don't know how to lose with grace because they're fucking Arsenal. <laughs> I have been reminded in the last two days why I hate Arsenal more than any other club and why I should not trick myself into let any other club surpass them in that amount or in that regard. Yeah, I mean. It's fair. I don't think anyone's going to judge you for hating Arsenal more than Chelsea. Fuck for off me, back for, to Woolwich. Yeah, for me, it's just, uh, for me, it's more of um, uh, Chelsea fans I just find it are, are more of a, a fake fan base. Arsenal's just delusional. And there's, you know, neither, neither one are Ooh. neither one are great, but uh, that's a really good way that, to put it. Chelsea that is very good. Very very delusional. Yeah, that 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 works. I yeah. get that. The problem is the problem so is West the fake Ham fan base. The fake West fan base Ham. when they lose, when they lose, they just actually they don't care. And right? Reds. Yeah, what? they they have, when when Chelsea lose, they act like they don't care. They act like football's not that important to them, which is infuriating. But it's not as bad as when Arsenal fans lose and they just bitch and moan and whine and act like DT. As, at an aggregate level, They're and by the way, a lot this season watching DT from AF, AFTV just have makes a full me meltdown. Stopping oh, like fist. a four-year-old, you have a four or five-year-old, right? You have a young child. Yeah, that was a tantrum. Yeah, that was a full-blown tantrum that he had. It was great. It was they just wonderful. slid somebody in into his spot. They just slid yeah. someone into his spot. Next one like, up. Fucking, I quit. I'm not gonna watch this anymore. And it was great. Lovely. Lovely. Yeah. Let's just jump straight into the game then. I mean, we can uh, we can sit here and talk about Arsenal being crybabies uh, probably for the duration of this podcast, but we have a match to Could talk about. Could be its own podcast. <laughs> it, it, it definitely can. Uh, lineup, you know, there were a lot of uh, suspicions heading into this uh, this fixture where we could see some uh, some some scares. I know I spoke with a, a, quite a few Spurs fans, Austin, you included, that thought we might see Joe Hart and goal for this derby. Lots of concern based on his performance on Thursday. Um, I, I get it. I think, but I always, I always just have this feeling that Mourinho's playing mind games. So I was not surprised at all to see Hugo starting. Same with Kane and Reggie. Kane's not missing a North London derby unless his ankle's broken. Um, and then Reggie. And even then, it's questionable. He'd probably be on the bench. Yeah, and and then Reggie, I wasn't surprised either. The the big shock, uh, Chris, was Ndombele missing out on the squad. Um, What did we hear about Ndombele? Was it an illness? Was it uh, was it uh, an injury? Austin shared the tweet in the group, and it was he was sick. He got like a stomach bug or something right before the game. I I'm like you. I think everything else in that lineup for the entire week and a half prior to this this match was Jose Mourinho mind games. The moment he came out and said Kane, right, like oh I've got like four or five injuries we're carrying into this match. I don't know how things are gonna look. And then Hugo goes down. I was just like, this is this is all mind games to get to to try and throw the the scum a little off their game and not have them thinking, well, they're gonna face a 100% cane. Maybe they're facing a 70% cane. They don't have to go as hard. I think it was all mind games. Yeah, Austin, we saw Toby Alderweireld in training uh, at the end of last week. Um, that's it's a pretty quick turnaround, right? That Man City game, he came out. It looked, I mean, I remember us talking and thinking that might be a, a lengthy injury. It was a groin injury, I believe. Uh, and two weeks later, he's back in the starting lineup. How excited are we to see Toby in the lineup? Yeah, I think they ended up saying it was an abductor, which I'm not, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know what the difference between an abductor and a groin injury is. They're the same area. Um, it, this is the second time this season with an important player that as soon as they go down, Jose is quick to say, oh, yeah, it's serious. And I think, I think with Jose in general with injuries, with every mind game, there's a, there's a kernel of truth, right? So I think with, with Hugo and Kane and Reggie and Venetia staying home from the Europa League game, I think there was a bug probably going through the Spurs locker room and it caught in Domble and that's why he didn't play on Sunday. That's, that's what my logic is telling me. And then with Toby, I think it was like, Oh, they see a groin injury. He's over 30. He's in a lot of pain. We're just going to assume it's bad. And then they found out like a week later that okay, it was just a it was just a strain. He'll be okay. And Mourinho's style of play doesn't make him have as many sprints as usual. I think they thought it was um, you know safe for him to play. I was so pumped. Roden played great against Chelsea, but it having that back line of Arie, Alderweireld, Dyer, and Reggie just gives me so much confidence now. 
crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy, right? But it gives me crazy. so much confidence seeing those four with Hugo behind them, especially with Hoybier and Sissoko. That back six with Hugo uh, behind the back six, in a way, I just don't – I mean, if it weren't for Brighton, I'm sure you're about to say this, Colin, but if it weren't for the referee at Brighton being so arrogant that he didn't want to overrule himself on a clear foul, we would not have given up a Premier League goal in almost two months. It's been seven weeks. In yeah. seven weeks, we've given up – one Premier League goal, and that goal shouldn't have stood. That's yeah. how solid our defense has been, and having that back line just gives me so much joy. Yeah. It really crazy, does. crazy to think that you just listed Ra and a, and, a, and Dyer in a back line <laughs> and with they, that much confidence. A year ago, Austin, you would uh, you would be calling yourself on some bullshit if you could hear yourself today. But you're right. Oh, you absolutely. Know? And I think a absolutely. lot of that and a lot of that stems from uh, Hoiberg and Sissoko being in that uh, the the front two. Um, right in front of those two center backs and filling those gaps. And man, I don't see, we're getting into this a little bit later. I want to talk about uh, this lineup because I don't know how you can break apart that Hoiberg and Sissoko starting pivot right now based on how we're playing defensively and how we're able to just close games out. I mean, you look at how we played against West Ham uh, two months, I don't even know, two months ago, a month and a half ago. And then you look at the way we can close games out and what we've learned since then. And I think it's clear to see that this this is the team. Uh, you know, swap at Lo Celso out for Ndombele. I think Stevie B has kind of cemented his place in the starting I, lineup. Yeah, I um, agree. And it's just wow. I mean, we're still with the amount of depth we have. It's still it's still kind of crazy well, to see. But this is the starting eleven that I think um, we're going to see moving forward. Not just in big games, but I think yeah. every Premier League game. And then unless an injury happens, like I think you're about to yeah. say, Chris, it's going to have to be something big. It's going to have to happen to somebody before there's another change in this lineup. You can't change it now. It's yeah. it's working too well. Yeah. The only thing that you could you could argue to change is Stevie B, but Stevie B's work rate's been immense. We saw the, the heat map this week um, from the mm-hmm. Arsenal game. He was essentially playing a right-back position. That's why you're not going to see Bale come in and slot in, at least against these big teams, is because the work rate that Stevie B has is, is insane. And, and we need that from the way that Jose wants to play in these quote-unquote big fixtures. Back yes. eight. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I get it. Arsenal's top 15 in the table, aka 15th, but still they have the quality that that we're and we're, we're going to give them the possession. It'll be interesting to see how we move play moving forward against some of the smaller clubs in the league. But um, man, it's crazy. I, I would have never thought, you know, before that City game that we we'd say Stevie B is is a nail in starter uh, for this Spurs squad. Um, let's hop into the Arsenal um, team. Any surprises on that Arsenal team, Austin? I mean, Partey starting, I think, especially in retrospect, is a, is a bit of a surprise seeing that he couldn't quite last a whole half. And um, he clearly wasn't ready to play. And yeah. the, the, them rushing him back in, I think, was a surprise. When they could have just they could have done just as well with Ceballos and Xhaka. And just as well, I mean, we would have also beat them with Ceballos and Xhaka. <laughs> but at least they wouldn't have Partey, who I haven't seen anything because I don't care to go look. But I'm sure I I mean, that looks like he's going to be hurt longer. He's out now. for a longer period. Now it's going to be yeah. instead of a like a one or two week, it's like a three or four week injury now. What was surprising to me is that they shoehorned their way into a back three, right? We talked with Pat the Gooner uh, last week before the game, and we said that the back threes have been the only system they've been competent in defensively. But that only works if you have David Luiz because they don't have enough center backs. They shoehorn Kieran Tierney in as a as a center back to play a back three, and and Saka as a left wing back. Now they had a lot of possession, but I think a lot of the reason those two counterattack moves, and we're going to get into the goals here soon, I think, worked is because they 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 were shoehorning players into a into their best system when they didn't have the players to play that system, and I, I was surprised that they were so that, that Arteta was so. Um, set and playing a back three that he would put a left back in a left center back um the way that we've played davies in, in europa league right i mean it, it, that's a really big call for him to make and i was surprised by that yeah uh chris you heard uh i'm not sure if you did here actually but uh the the pre pre-game um interview with arteta says that he wants to go win the game uh and then you see him play lacazette abami and Willian. um you know he, he plays that three at the back with a pretty aggressive left wing back in, in Saka. Um, and then he is risking Partey after that that injury that he's had for uh, I think it was November eighth, so about a month he's been out. Um, and then we then the game starts, Chris. And so give me your take, kind of on the on the first uh, twenty minutes of this game. I <laughs> the way that they set up, I 
I, I feel like Austin, he was trying to really shoehorn in this three at the back lineup. And they, let me see, how did their possession go for that first 20 minutes or so ago? I want to say that for most of this, they looked like they were controlling the ball, but not necessarily controlling the game. I guess that's the best way to put it. And it stayed that way for all the way through. Um, they looked like they just had the ball and they couldn't figure out anything to do with it. Um, it made me think a lot of, I think we used to play a lot like that. Maybe yeah. under Pochettino, yeah, yeah. Before, under Pochettino, we would play a lot like that where we would have a lot, all this possession, 70, 80% possession and two shots. And I think the best description of that game that I heard uh, just going back through all of the, um, I guess all the commentary post game was probably coming oddly enough from Troy Deeney who on talk sport basically said, did uh, like he, somebody was asking him, you know, what were your thoughts in the game? And he was like, did you ever really feel like Arsenal were going to score? Do you ever have a notion in your head that they were going to get anything out of this? Nah, not really. You can pass the ball around as much as you want, but you're, you're, if you can't do anything with it, if you can't find those gaps, if you can't find those holes in the defense, you don't have any creativity. It's not going anywhere. And I would honestly say for the first half, they just looked like they really couldn't do anything. They had a couple of good touches, a couple of good crosses. They pounded crosses in like they normally do with no finishing for it. Yeah. Chris, real quick, uh, I want to talk about this first goal. Um, you being a keeper, I was watching with Austin, uh, uh, you know, so I already have his kind of opinion on it. Um, but Chris, watching it from a keeper perspective, yes, it's a great strike. Uh, that's kind of on Leno, though, right? He, he's lost his positioning. Getting beat from 32 yards out, 30 to 35 yards out in transition, uh, that shouldn't have, that shouldn't happen there, should it? For me, it's not so much on him because the expectation is that Sonny should be closed down right there. there that that, sh- that shot should never come in. And the shot in and of itself, there's no stopping that. The curvature on that ball, I think there's a couple of times you can see the angle as it's looking over Arteta's shoulder, and you can see the curvature on that ball. There's there's no getting to that, uh, and yeah. he was he was nowhere near it. Um, but you would expect that uh, the two right backs that they were kind of playing on that side would actually step up and, and just get a body in there, put a foot down, something, take him down, like something, but don't let – there were five players around Sonny at that yeah. point. And no one gets in front of him to to stop that shot. And yeah, I'm, I, uh, you know, I don't blame the keeper. I honestly, I blame the defense for not shutting that down before it happened. Yeah, Austin, a moment of brilliance from Sun, something that we've become accustomed to uh, in his, you know, in his time here at Tottenham. Uh, you know, I think it was a year ago I saw his goal from Burnley, essentially where he takes it from uh, the the edge of our penalty area. You know, 90 yards down the field in a sprint, running past six, seven Burnley players and, and finishing it. Uh, what is it about Sun? What is it about Sun that makes him so special? You know, to be honest, I think a lot of what makes him special is what in that in, in Bale's last season for us, when we saw him winning games by himself, made Bale special, which is just the not just the ability, but the confidence to just I have the ball in space and I'm gonna, I'm going to go do it all on my own. And just have the confidence and air and arrogance in a way, but the ability backed up behind that to just say, I can go do this on my own. The the last person, you know, because Kane Kane can do this at, at times too. But he's a striker. He's a number nine, even though he wears a number ten, and he's playing more like a ten this season, and he he depends on service to some degree. Sun is the first player since Bale that I've seen at this club that can take the ball on his own anywhere on the pitch, and if he's in the mood He's going to take it past every single person on that pitch and just put the ball in the net. And I, I think that takes a certain level of not just confidence and arrogance, but maturity. And that's what makes Bale so special in his last season for us before he came back now, but back in 2012, that he at a young age had that, right? And that's why he became a world record transfer, right? I think Sun now, if we do get this this contract done with him and he, he is you know sticks with us for the rest of his prime would be a huge statement because Sun could go play for almost any top club in the world and give them the same thing. Yeah. There's not a top club in the world where there's Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Real Madrid, uh, Juventus. There's not a top club in the world that could not use a player like Sun who can just take the ball up on the left wing 
can go score on his own. Yeah. Um, and it's it's his it's his ability that he he trusts his technique at all times. He knows his technique is flawless with both feet, and he understands the game very well. He his passing has has, has progressed over the years with us. And that's been something he's added to his game, but it, his understanding of the game and what he can do is is his self awareness. I guess is what I'm saying is is very important. Yeah, to that. yeah I would offer that... only one criticism of him, and I still think he's better than Mo Salah. Um, at times when Harry Kane is out, and we've seen this when Harry Kane is injured, and I've yet to see if he's grown out of it, he tries to do too much when Harry Kane is right. Not available. Yeah. He he overworks himself. He tries to be the player that that can take on a game. And maybe he is that player now under Jose Mourinho, as whereas he wasn't under Pochettino, but he does that from time to time and he'll play himself out of a game, just yeah. trying to overdo it. Well, I, and, I and think, so you, you keep saying that he's better than Mo Salah. And I think right now on for me is what Mo Salah gives you that son doesn't is Mo Salah is probably more creative passing the ball. Um, than Son is. Son, Son showed a creative passing ability with the second goal that we scored against Arsenal. But he doesn't have that consistently because he's more of a striker. He's so selfish in which all good strikers have to be where yeah. if I have a chance to shoot, I'm going to fucking shoot. Like, yeah. if also, I have a half a sniff, I'm going to take it. Yeah, also, you know, you want to get an example of what Son does without Kane. And not that he can't produce goals, but you look at the game on Thursday where Son starts as the striker um, and uh, our... our, our our performance in general, not blaming Sun, but our performance in general in that first half, um, not and, as good. Parts of the second half was just not as good, and so well, he doesn't have to hold up play or the ability to drop deep. And exactly, he's deep not like great he playing. He's better on the winger, not better playing in that false nine or striker role, which is what he was. Just like Ronaldo for. is better playing outside than playing up yeah. front. Yeah, and so uh, we score that goal, and that's kind of like a dream goal for us. You know, you're going to let us score easily. Uh, you know, 15 minutes into the game. And now we get to play the way we want to play, the way Mourinho has built this squad and taught them how to play tactically. We get to sit back, we get to absorb pressure, and we get to hit you on the counterattack. And here we are in the 45th minute, and Partey is, is struggling to run and essentially trying to walk off the pitch. And uh, we're hitting <laughs> Arteta off, pushes we're, him back. Yeah. Well, so so I, I, hold on, hold on, hold on. Colin, before <laughs> you move forward, real quick, real quick, I just have to say, to give Sun full credit there, I honestly think that's going to be a goal. I, I put that even above Kane's goal where he rips off the face mask. Like, I think we need to give full credit here and say that six years in the future, we're going to be looking at before our North London Derby and looking back at Tottenham's going to put up on the Instagram or Facebook or whatever new social yeah. media exists then. And they're going to yeah. show the best goals in the past 20 years. And that goal is going to stand. For a long time. Yeah. Son, if there, if, the main goal where he ripped off the face match was the last great goal that we scored against Arsenal in that it, type of way, out of if, nothing. If there's 60,000 fans in that stadium on Sunday, then that stadium is is rocking and, and nuts out yeah. of that Sun goal. I mean, that uh, is... Yeah, I think it's a great strike. I wasn't saying anything other, taking anything away from that. Of course not. I just thought maybe Leno could have done a little bit better positional-wise, but I agree. You expect your defenders to, to collapse and break them down. It's not like they were defending, you know, like the well, second goal where it was like a 5 And the camera angle could not two. be have been better, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing yeah, is that the yeah, camera yeah. angle was like as soon as he gets down that left side and cuts in and we all see him starting to line it up, like it comes off his foot. And did either of you for a second think that's not going in? He didn't even think – like – as soon as it comes off his foot, you He's see like, Sun just turn and start walking towards the sideline. It's like a field like goal kicker who yeah, immediately knows it's down the middle. Yeah, yeah. All there's, right, there's moving no on. We, we got to move on. Uh, we got a lot of things to talk about this podcast. Okay, we okay. need to talk about the second goal. Uh, Chris, you mentioned uh, Arteta essentially pushing Partey back onto the field yeah. after you know he he clearly knows something's something something's not right. I can no longer play. And I think he's probably assuming – I don't know if he had his back turned to when the, when, when the break happened or if he saw the break happening. He was like, I can't offer anything, so I'm walking off the pitch. Yeah. But At, that, before that, turned that into, Arsenal were in our box, they were almost yeah. about to score, and yeah, that just yeah. didn't turn out well. <laughs> that, that turns into a very quick counter, and I, I don't know if it was – I think it was four on two um, with, yeah. their third, with their third defender coming in late. And, uh, you know – here we go. We see the Kane and Son connection again. Uh, Austin, how did you feel about that that second goal right before halftime? How important was that for our victory? Oh well, I mean that that's a gut punch to Arsenal, right? I mean you saw it with AFTV. I mean it's just like they were about to score. We counter them real quick. 
right before halftime. Goals right before half changed games, and it, uh, it, it was a gut punch. But what, what was really important uh, about that goal is Party was walking off before the transition happened. So if, if you go back and look at the, the high-angle camera, the reason that we scored that goal is the same reason we scored the first goal in a lot of ways. They saw an attacking opportunity in both Xhaka and – well, Xhaka really because Party was walking off the Party pitch. Party was gone, yeah. But, but their midfield pressed, started flooding the box because they were hoping for a knockdown or a second-chance opportunity. So when Arie wins the ball off that horrible ballerine pass – he reacts quicker, wins the ball, and exactly what I mentioned last week, where it's it's not about our defenders just clearing the ball out aimlessly. It's about our defenders being able to win the ball and control it. Arie looks up, has an easy pass to a wide open Lacelso, and he's behind the, in, the the enemy midfield already. And Party's already off of the pitch at that point. Yeah. When Arteta's pushing him back on the pitch, is the second that Lacelso turns around, Arteta's like, oh. Buck, like we're about that four and two. And the other other thing that, that I realized about that goal is, if you look at when Lancelso receives the ball, our front three are grouped over by the sideline in a huddle. They're not spread out already. The three of them were within five yards of each other. If you go back and watch this goal, they're all over not far from where Parte is actually, on the halfway line near the left sideline where the benches were. As soon as Lancelso turns. All three of them trigger into action simultaneously. Start running. Ber- Bergwijn looks up and sees that their two center backs who are back have shifted over. Bergwijn just sprints to the outside of Gabriel. Just sprints to the outside. Kane meanders them inside to the middle, and Sun takes up his left channel position. And they all just kind of move forward, and Lacelso actually held on to the ball a little bit too long and actually underfed Sun on this goal. He was trying to feed Sun outside with a yeah. little dink of the outside of the foot, but undersold it. And Sun, Sun looked like he was going to body up the defender, cut inside and shoot. And Kane, as soon as Sun received that ball and turned inside, Kane was like, oh, this is easy. I run to the outside of you, give it to me, I score, or you cut inside and score, either way. And if yeah. you look back, Kane makes a gesture and you can see he says something. Sun never looks up. He knew exactly where Kane was going to yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. knew he knew with one sound, oh, Kane's going outside, okay, think. And if he mishits that pass, that, that move doesn't happen, that's a brilliant pass by Sun because it's a little chop pass, right? Like, right, Colin? I don't know if that's mm-hmm. what you call it, yeah. but it's a little chop pass under his leg. And Kane puts it underneath the crossbar just just to be sure. I mean, that yeah. I know you're never time. supposed to get beat near post, but you can't yeah. say that, right? You never, get near, you never get beat near post, but with that shot that close, that's point blank, it's – that much power on it, you're not stopping that. Yeah. <laughs> you're just, you're not. And yeah. if you, even if you do somehow get a hand on it, you're getting a nasty rebound right out into the middle of the goal or something that somebody else is going to tap in. It's, it's a no-win situation. Yeah, it was, it was the, uh, the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back for Arsenal. Yeah, they came out the second yeah. half and, and they definitely pressed and they wanted to, to get something out of it. Um, but you know, you give up that goal. Um, right before halftime, and then now you're just you know two nil to a Jose Mourinho team, bar that West Ham game. But the way we've been playing defensively, I mean, I, I wasn't concerned. Um, I was very no. comfortable. I, I felt like the hundred dollar bet was already in my pocket. Um, I was really just kind of uh, planning the rest of my my day at that point. Uh, <laughs> we we hop straight into the second half. I don't want to spend too much time on the second half. I mean, you know, we can talk about it a little bit. But the pundits are all saying, you know, Arsenal fans are delusional. Arteta's delusional to think that they played well or they had a chance. They played right into Mourinho's hands. You know, this is how Mourinho wants to play. He's not going to come out of his shell when we're up 2-0. So, yeah, it's kind of boring football to watch, you know. But uh, I'm okay Boring if you're losing. I'm okay (laughs) with boring and winning sometimes. And and it – we saw what fun football looked like against West Ham, being up 3-0, bringing on Gareth Bale, and then end up drawing that game 3-3. Uh, that's not fun. I don't think any of us had fun recording that podcast. Um, this is fun. This is fun. Recording this podcast, top of the table, sending Arsenal back to Woolwich where they belong uh, at 15th in the table. This is fun. And so I'm okay with that 45-minute drab affair. And it's fun to watch us play defense that way. The passion that Hoiberg has playing defense. And I remember there's a moment on the left-hand side with Hoiberg and Sissoko, um, like 2v1-ing someone, but taking turns roughing them up. I forgot who it was. Was it Jaka? 
Um, it might have been. I'm not sure exactly who it was, but I remember the left the, hand side. Yeah, even the, been... even the even the commentator said something like, "They're having fun. Look, they're just taking turns essentially." Um, because Hoiberg knocks him off, and then I think it's a bombing actually, and then Sissoko comes in and knocks him off, and then gets a foul called on him. But it's like Bang Bros, right? Does anyone want anyone's members uh, of Mighty Ducks? <laughs> what? Or is it Bash Bros? <laughs> Oh my God, Colin, are you serious right now? <laughs> no, is that just happened? That just happened. It might be Bash Bros. No, Mighty it's Ducks. Bash Bros. Okay. Oh God. Right, you don't want your mom listening to this one, definitely now. I'm just gonna let that go. Oh man, uh, I'm not even gonna edit that out. <laughs> no, you can't. You have to leave that in. Otherwise, yeah. people are going to wonder what the hell's wrong with us. Yeah, sorry, Mom. Bash Bros from Mighty Ducks is what I'm Yeah, was... you're talking about where they go yeah, in the penalty yeah. box and, like, well worth it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's almost what it's like with Hoiberg and Sissoko. <laughs> not the other one that I said. I hope it's nothing like the other one. I just. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. Um, but that's almost what it's like watching them too. They're not graceful. And, and, and Mourinho said it best in that post-match interview saying how, um, he said some, I forgot what exactly what he said about Hoiberg, but how he said, he's a genius of simplicity. It, yeah. Genius of simplicity. And, and there's something beautiful about that and, and very talented about being that good at doing the simple things. And man, what a signing. I think he even said, uh, congratulations, uh, Daniel Levy. He did. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Does anyone remember who his favorite uh, defensive midfielder at Chelsea was? Uh, was he part of the Bang Bros? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Um, does, the name, does the name Yano B. Mikel? Oh, Mikel. Yeah, yeah. Did Mikel ever do anything besides the simple pass? No. Like, but did you ever have to worry about him having a bad game? No. And yeah. Mourinho loved him for that reason. And I do not believe he's ever participated in Bang Bros. I hope, God, I hope not. God, I hope not. Um, anything you guys want to add about this second half? Um, we just kind of see the game out. Um, the substitutions. He brings on some defensive players. Uh, I know that I know how bad Austin wanted to see Bell come in, but uh, I, I wasn't surprised that Bell's not coming in. I wasn't surprised. Now, once you're once you're in that level, the only thing I would add, and I just thought this was the epitome of where. Like Arsenal are as a team right now, where their mentality is, because I thought it was great. Was um, I think it's Tierney comes down and puts in what should have been an absolutely amazing cross to level the game, and it may have been in the first half that this happened. But cross comes in, Lacazette has a chance if he just gets down and puts a toe on it, he could probably have leveled the game. And you can see it in his face as that cross comes in that he's like. I'm not doing this. I'm not sacrificing myself for that. I'm not. No, give me a better ball. And he does nothing and he lets it go. And then we clear it out and the game moves on. But like, I, I went back and watched it like two or three times. Like, could he have gotten to that? And it's one of those moments where you just look at him and you're like, you, he could have easily tapped that in and, and brought this game level. And he just did not have the want to even try. So to that point, Mourinho does two things really well, right? And these are similar to, to American to Americans listening out there to us, which is probably the majority um, at this point of our of our small listenership, small but loyal, I like to think. Um, <laughs> he's very similar to Bill Belichick in two ways. One, he always puts his his players in the best position to succeed, which is what he's doing with Dyer and, and Aurier right now, right? Colin, you said Dyer and Aurier a year ago. We would never imagine they were part of like integral parts of our defense but now we can't imagine our defense without them that's because Jose Mourinho puts them in positions to succeed and part of that is the Hoy Bear Sissoko midfield shielding them two he knows how to limit your best players if Aubameyang's their only world beating player which is very much true about about Arsenal he only has three-headed goals for Arsenal in his entire time being there he does not score goals from crosses. He scores goals from being played through on goal. So how do you prevent Aubameyang from scoring goals? You force him to the middle of the pitch, and you limit the balls coming in on the ground through the middle of the defense, which is exactly what we did. We were fine letting Saka or especially Bellerin. We pushed so much out to Bellerin. We just said, Bellerin, cross all you do want. Do what you got to do, man. <laughs> because Lacazette's not tall enough or strong enough to beat our center backs in the air. And Aubameyang doesn't know how to win a header. 
So we're fine. We're going to trust Arye and and Toby and Dyer to win headers all day long, which is exactly what happened. And, you know, no, in the second half, I loved watching it. Every time they geared up to cross another ball, it was like, here goes Dyer again. Here goes the Arya other again. Thing, and yeah, Arya the only is other thing to bring up on that, there. and to your point, Austin, is just watching – and this is to all of our points, is how enjoyable it was to watch – was watching the team get back and work so hard on the defensive side of the ball. The fact that they actually bought – As a unit. Into the system. It was a back eight at one point where there was just literally – nowhere for Arsenal to go. But that only works if you work as a unit, right, Chris? Yeah. Like, it, yeah. as a goalkeeper, if you have people behind the ball, but they're all working separately, it doesn't help. No, you, I mean, at one point you've got Kane dropping in to play basically as a central midfield spot. Suzoko and Hoiberg were dropped in between, uh, in between their, their respective center back and outside back. And then Bergvine and Son just kind of like, Bergman had dropped all the way back and was playing right right back to allow Arie to, to drop in and almost be another center back. It was a 100%. You guys are pass the ball all you want right around the halfway line. Do anything you want. We don't care. Left to right, left to right. Have it all day. We don't care. You're not coming in here and you're not going to score. And you could see as the game went on, pretty much Arsenal came to that conclusion of we're not going to get through this. So... Well, uh, I guess we're done here. <laughs> what, Arsenal, what Arsenal looked like to me, you guys said Pochettino earlier, but it actually looked more like like second season AVB to me. When we didn't have Bale, yeah, when we didn't true. have Bale, and we and didn't we realize that, that Erickson was a creative midfielder, not a left mid. Um, and before Sherwood came in and just played whatever fucking formation FIFA told him to play that day. Kick it about, when, boys, when, and have some fun. Let's go. When, when, when AVB was the manager for that first half of that, of that 12-13 season, 13-14 season, sorry. We just passed the ball around between our center backs and midfielders all day. We had no creative player to put the ball in the box and no and no no center forward to win a header and to, and to get on the end of a cross. God, That's exactly what Arsenal looked like, was AVB Spurs. They Except have no idea how to AVB do Spurs without bail. Okay, all right, moving on from this game. Uh, I think this is uh, the last thing I want to say about this, this whole um, – you know, three games that we've just played back to back to back in the Premier League is um, I know before that City game, we previewed the City game and what was to come from these three fixtures and saying this would tell a lot about our team and our season seven from nine and seven from nine. And uh, essentially, so far, we have played uh, four of the big boys, quote unquote, top six. The last one remaining is Liverpool. Um, and we have taken 10 of 12 points. Um that's pretty amazing. Two away, two at home. We still have to play Liverpool away um, coming up in about eight days, I believe. Uh, is it eight days? I don't know. In the next, in the next, in the it's next, in the next. Uh, next it's ten. almost midnight here, so it's a week. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think that this has set us up for success and has set some better expectations for what we can expect moving forward in the season. I want to spend 60 seconds apiece on this last match, um, this LASK match. Uh, from the Europa League. I uh, think the most important thing about this uh, is that we have qualified for the uh, group stages of the Europa League, or the, not the group stages, the round of 32 for the Europa League, the knockout stages. Um, we have a fixture on Thursday that will decide if we win the group, if we can take care of Antwerp at home. Um, it was a very weird match, ended in 3-3. Uh, I will give you both 60 seconds, and I will cut you off at 60 seconds. Who would like to go first? Chris, you can go first. Okay. I'll go quick because it's a pretty easy thing to sum up. We played like crap. They played their best game. It ended up being a 3-3 draw. And we were, I think we were lucky to walk away with a 3-3 draw. I think it could have been a loss pretty handily. Um, but it wasn't. We got the draw. We got the point. That's all that matters. Let's just move on with our lives. Okay. Done. Austin, I'll give you 90 since Chris took 30. Hit it. So the only thing to expand on that, Chris, is that um, uh, Delhi's got balls of steel for someone that barely ever plays, taking a <laughs> cheeky penalty the way he did. Um, I trusted in our uh, – you're absolutely right that they played as well as they possibly could have played. I trusted in our quality because they did not have a lead at halftime. I, I just trusted that our quality in the second half we would at least get a result. But – it's it's not our attack. I know everyone wants to focus on our attack in the first half, which we played horribly in the first half. 
But in the second half, it's our Europa League defense. There's something about the changes we're making where that same defense we're, we're talking about in the Premier League of being impenetrable, we make a couple of changes, and I don't know which change it is. I don't know if it's Sanchez. I don't know if it's Davies. I don't know it's if it's the midfield. It's that center-back pairing. It's obviously but, the center-back but, pairing. But, but the changes we make in Europa League, the Mourinho tactics just do not jive with. And so moving forward, even past this Antwerp game, regardless of what happens, Mourinho's going to have to figure out, do I just have to double dip in my Premier League defense and, and count on them to play twice in a week? Because we clearly cannot count on Sanchez and Dyer and Davies to no, defend no, no, the no, way no, no. that Tanganga, Tanganga, Sanchez, and Davies to defend the way. And Dari already had a pretty poor game as well. Well, all about forwarded, absolutely, and we and and that may have been the issues that we changed all four of them and not just a couple of them. I so that's what I'm saying. I don't know which of those four is the issue, or if it's all four, but something's the issue with the changes we're making in the back line in Europa League because we do not defend well in Europa League, but we defend incredibly well in Premier League. So that's something for Mourinho to to figure out, and you know that result really didn't matter one way or the other. We were always going to have to win the final game to to win the group. All the draw did was make sure that we, we qualify. So. Yeah. All right, 90, 90 seconds are up. I agree. I think, like I said, the most important thing is now we have a chance to win the group. Um, and I don't know. They, they asked Mourinho how important is it to win the group. He, he seems confident. I think we all should be confident as, as supporters because uh, we have the quality, the depth to easily beat Antwerp. It's at home. home, too. Yeah, yep. we've, been, we've been great at home in the Europa League. Um, <clears throat> I'm not concerned. I'll actually be in Vegas. I'll be placing a bet on this game in Vegas. <laughs> um and so uh not concerned once again it wasn't a pretty match chris i agree we could have easily lost this fixture um but at the end of the day you get we the didn't. results that you get we <laughs> didn't we got the draw we needed um, a little inside baseball for the listeners that this it was not so um it was not so peaceful in the group chat during the last <laughs> game, just so everyone knows. I was getting a lot of shit for being optimistic, but that's yeah. okay. Austin's a forever optimist in our group. He's always – nothing is going wrong. You know, ever I was going to move on past that, and now it's, I was just like, you know yeah. what? I'm just, just moving. I speak into the universe what I want to happen, Colin, okay? Yeah. It's called the secret. Yeah, there's, there's, um, there's us, me and Chris, who are realists, and there's Austin. Uh, when we're talking about uh, how our poor performances midweek, but you know what? So I'm sometimes jealous of that. I wish I could just be like, "Hey, we're yeah, we're fine. We're gonna do great." Uh, maybe that's the Tottenham and, and us. Uh, definitely the the, the Spursiness expecting some sort of failure to happen. But uh, I think I react anti Spursiness just because I've been hurt in the past, Colin. Yeah, I've been hurt in the past. It's like a man that's had his heart broken. He's like, oh, we're gonna find love somewhere. <laughs> I'm a Ted. I'm the Ted Mosby of uh, of Spurs fans. Yeah. Uh, let's let's take a quick look around the league real quick. We have uh, um, you know some interesting games that happened this weekend. Uh, the most interesting for me, I think, from a uh, <clears throat> from a uh, from a personal perspective, would be Everton not winning. A gambling um, perspective, you mean? Uh, that we're per- I said personal. It's a long <laughs> season, Colin. I've given, I've given, Austin, I've given Austin a buyout, and he has not taken it. So we will be. I would like to remind you that Crystal Palace the was in the top four at Christmas last year, just so you know. Who? And they, Crystal Palace was in the top like four or five last year uh, in 2019, and they barely finished in the top 15. So it's a long season. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not a long season. There's 38 games. Season goes till May. Yeah. Um, well, at least May. We hope we hope COVID and everything. Yeah. Happens correctly. Uh, Liverpool took care of Wolves uh, pretty easily. I mean, I think uh, Cody made a huge mistake in the first half, giving them a free goal. Uh, Wolves definitely looked in control of that game until then. After that, Liverpool took in charge of the se- uh, took control of the second half, ending ending up uh, winning for uh, nil. I think Wolves will have some troubles without Jimenez. I yeah. think we got to see them play against Arsenal, who are just terrible at this at the moment. And so, uh, unfortunately, uh, for a Wolves perspective and from a Wolves fan base, uh, they are going to be missing Jimenez for it looks like a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us, we get to play Wolves in uh, 18 days, I believe, or 19 days. And so, right I'm at looking, the end of the year, yeah. I'm pretty, pretty. Um, I'm. I'm I don't wish injury upon anyone, but if we're going to get a chance to play them, I'm glad that Jimenez will not be there. He's dangerous. He's a great striker. Uh, Chelsea took care of Leeds. Leeds scored first. Chelsea came back. Uh, Austin, you mentioned in our um, our group chat, all the pundits were drooling over Chelsea after they come back and beat Leeds at home, which they should be expected to beat Leeds at home. This is a team that just came up 
from the championship if you cannot, for the first time in like 20 years or yeah, some shit, and right? Granted, like, Leeds yeah. is playing some fun, exciting football, but if you're a title contender, you shouldn't be getting praise for beating Leeds. Yeah, but yet all of a sudden they're title, they're, they're they're the title favorites because they beat Leeds at home. Yeah, uh, and then we also had uh, United coming from behind against West Ham. Um, United seems not to turn their uh, their their. I don't know, their brain or their skill. I mean, they wait till 60 minutes into a game to decide to play, it seems like. Uh, and we saw that today in the Champions League as well. Um, and then any other fixtures that I missed this past weekend? It looks like uh, you know Palace, who is our, our upcoming fixture this weekend, took care of a 10-man West Brom team, 5-1. Um, not too concerned. That red card was freaking stupid. That was... That was that was even worse than Sun's red card against Rudiger. I mean, that was it was just so ridiculous to give a red card there, especially on VAR. And, and just another example of VAR, just like, come on, like this has got to be some context. Like, gosh, he went to the monitor to look at it though, so that's not really on VAR. That's on the that's on the official. Yeah, and that's the something monitor. they've done a great job of this season is, is letting the official go to the monitor to make when the official well. uses it, as we yeah. well know. Um, Wait, how did an official go to the monitor and look at that and call that a red card? I, I'm still <laughs> confused on that. I mean, I don't give a shit about West Brom. Get stay in the league, get relegated. I don't give a shit. But how is that a red card? I mean, it's just that yeah, changed know. the game, and then Palace just put them to the sword. Yeah. So and my question is, how bad is is it that Sheffield United are just this bad, or are they just unlucky? Like, are they are well, they just this awful? Because they're uh, awful. That's a great question because an athletic article was just written about using XG and statistics and showing that Sheffield United are bad, but they're not this bad. They are a little bit unlucky as well. Their their XG is, is they're underperforming pretty pretty drastically from they're, their perspective. They're on pace to get four points by the end yeah. of the season. They are they are definitely struggling. Jamie Vardy gets a, a late um, almost almost a stop time. Them. I, don't I know, jinxed I mean, them myself. You did jinx them. You, you sent a text and literally less than sixty seconds Jeez. later, Vardy scores. And, and then, <laughs> no, as uh, I as I received the text, he was scoring. I yeah. feel like. And then he slide kicks and, <laughs> right, and, and cracks that corner flag. That was amazing. That was, and he's That's, a Sheffield yeah. Wednesday fan, so it was big for him. But yeah, uh, which also helps Leicester stay closer to the top of the table. Um, we have some really, really, really interesting games coming up this weekend. Um, <clears throat> the most, I think, I mean, obviously we're excited for the Tottenham Palace game. We're going to preview that shortly. Uh, the, the Manchester Derby uh, happening, United and City. Uh, oh, both, God. yeah, both teams <laughs> are sitting, um, you know, six and seven respectively on the table with a game in hand. Watch uh, Ole win that game to save his job. It's going to happen. Yeah, and, and, you know, if Ole wins that game. By some, I don't see how United beat City, to be honest, but who knows. Uh, if United do win that game, then they would actually be sitting in the top four. Um, and then if City win that game, they would also be sitting in the top four. So that's going to be an interesting game to watch on Saturday. We also have Everton and Chelsea. Once again, I gave you that buyout because Everton have a tough December fixture uh, list. And you did I'd not rather lose it. $50 like a man than pay you $40 like an asshole. Yeah. Take I, it. I will respect that. <laughs> I respect that. Uh, and then, What's ten dollars between friends? That's nothing. Let's just make it sixty. Fuck you. <laughs> if, uh, I think if Jimenez were still playing, the Aston Villa Wolves game would be really say, entertaining. I think, and I do think the Aston Villa Wolves game is going to be entertaining, only from the standpoint that Villa are starting to struggle. They have lost four out of five. Yeah. They have that hot streak. Austin, you, I'll give you credit here. You called it. Let's see how they, they, they do as the season progresses. They might be that Palace team that you mentioned from last year that was, was approaching Christmas time with hot you know, top four, top five, and they're cooling off. They are missing Ross Barkley. That was big for them, I think. Mm, Barkley's uh, huge. Grealish is, is 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 a great player, a lot to do on his own. Um, Arsenal are playing in a relegation battle with Burnley uh, this, this is weekend. It. <laughs> uh, this is it. You're not even you're not even being that hyperbolic when you say that. That's that makes me feel so good, Colin. No, this I'm not. I, I'm not at all. Uh, Burnley. If he are, fucks around and loses to Burnley. This is it. Um, other is that than that, the opposite of fuck around and get a triple double? Is that the opposite <laughs> of that, Chris? Fuck around and lose to Burnley. <laughs> if he, if he, I'm just saying, like he lost to Spurs. You're 15th in the table. If you lose to Burnley this weekend, they have to make a change before Christmas. Burnley gets within four points of them if they win. That's like, a bold call. That's a bold shout. Um, I, I, 
I do. Well, Chris, well, well, hold on. So we're going to add that to Chris's list, right? Because he said Ole out by Christmas, Pep out by Christmas. So we're going to add, are we going to add Arteta out by Christmas? Uh, oh, yeah, no, Arteta should already be week. on there. Oh, okay. I would, I would yeah. honestly at this yeah. point. What about Chris Wilder? Take, you putting Chris Wilder on that list? Yeah, I'd probably take Pep off my hit list. I don't think putting, he's. Are you putting Chris Wilder on that list from Sheffield United? Like One point, man. One point. Yeah, they're probably and just to kind of give you a, a little uh, heads up on what they have to face, they have to go to St. Mary's, play Southampton, and then they get to go to um, um, they get to play Manchester United at home. Um, as so. we're si- as we're sitting here talking about this, I'm googling what is Sam Allardyce doing right now? Like, where is he? Yeah, <laughs> where's Alan Pardew? I mean, it looks Alan like Pardew. Pardew. The best Whatever Sheff- happened to Roberto Martinez? What's he doing right now? <laughs> he's he's doing CBS All Access bullshit coverage for for uh, Champions League, which is the worst coverage of football I've ever seen in my it's life. Absolutely horrendous. The it's the awful. best chance that Sheffield has to pick up points this side of twenty uh, twenty one is going to be against Everton at home. So. Uh, that's when I'll be wearing my shuffle. Okay, okay, uh, okay, Colin. <laughs> okay, I get the dig that you got there. So uh, yeah, I think I think those are the uh, the highlights of um, this week at the this weekend. In the I'm half toffee for the rest of the season, just so you fucking know. Yeah. Uh, also, there's a the good shout Leeds and West Ham. I think both teams are playing attacking football. Um, that could be a fun game to watch on Friday as well. Um, <clears throat> Leeds West Ham will be fun. I think Leeds West Ham will be. I mean, it'll probably because 2020 will probably be a nil nil affair. Now that we said that, but yeah. that should be a fun match. All yeah, right. Want to? If you guys have nothing to say about that, want to jump straight ahead to some quick previews that we have uh, for Antwerp and then Crystal Palace. Uh, anything that you want to add on for the weekend um, Premier League previews and review? The Palace game for us is oh well we're gonna we're gonna get That's there but no no, no no I know I know I'm just I'm just saying that that the Palace game is actually gonna be interesting for neutrals too because Palace are got Zaha back so I think from a neutral perspective that would be on the list of of interesting matches plus yeah. it's a London derby so plus we're top of the table so anytime the the, the league leaders anytime I wasn't league... gonna say it because I didn't want to be immodest but anytime the league leaders are playing it's it's always a must watch for any neutral so um... much wash much wash on Peacock yeah Ugh. uh we have Antwerp on Thursday that's a little less than 36 hours away I believe uh and we are uh went, trying to win that game to win the group quick question from both of you guys I don't want to spend too much time on this preview um Austin will we play a similar squad that we sent out against Lask or will it be this a more of a, a rotation a Premier League slash Europa League squad to try to ensure winning the group how important is it in to win the group um, Austin, it's 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 very important when the group the the sides coming down from Europa League are uh, unusually strong this season. Although we can't draw Manchester United because they're an English side, but you know Real Madrid could drop down. Um, for instance, I think.